This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast, where we're teaching you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. My name is Coach John, and I am sitting here with Aaron as always. Aaron, how is it going? Hey, John. I'm doing awesome today, man. I'm excited to be back here recording another podcast, and I know we have a topic mm-hmm. that is going to help a ton of guys today, something that you've suffered through, that mm-hmm. you've dealt with personally in your career and i can't wait to give them this information absolutely so all right guys today we are talking about the truth about pro wrestlers with back pain okay so this is something that relates very specifically to me this is something that i have helped many pro wrestlers who have suffered through it has become such a common thing and today we are going to break it down on this podcast so pro wrestling is brutal on the body Aches and pains are commonplace for full-time pro wrestlers, but with intention, a world of chronic pain can be avoided with preventative self-care. So, before we jump into it, it's time to join us on Facebook. Check out our private Facebook group. we got a red, white, and blue logo. All you do is type in at How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Give our page a like. Give our group a join. And you can talk about all these cool topics on the podcast with your peers, with me, with Aaron, with everyone right there in the group. So, all right. Here we go. You've probably heard my story before. I've mentioned it some briefly on this podcast before. I spent three years in pretty much agonizing chronic back pain um, from my life as a pro wrestler. So it essentially led to me making the decision to give up my personal dream of being a full-time pro wrestler. I've dedicated every single year since then to helping people from all walks of life, from fitness, everything, wrestling, recover, or prevent from that exact same thing ever happening to them. I mean, my doctor told me once that every wrestling match that I had, pretty much regardless of whether I was having a, a 10-minute match or a 30-minute or a, or a match or a 60-minute Broadway match, um, was the equivalent of being in a car crash. Like, I mean, that's how he described it. He's like, the people I see that suffer from whiplash and car wrecks, their body feels exactly like you're describing and like your body feels. So, such a crazy thing to relate pro wrestling to, but you're essentially out there putting yourself through through like a minor car wreck every time you go into a pro wrestling match. And, and you know, we can't avoid that, but we can do things that can help our body deal with such a thing. So my chiropractor that I used to visit regularly, um, you know, he would need me to he w- or he would never need me to tell him if I had wrestled the weekend before or not. He would just put his hands on my back and be like, "Oh, yep, you've been wrestling, haven't you?" Because the week following a wrestling event, he said my spine was like concrete. It was like unmovable. Um, and my chiropractor, just to let you know, big old six foot tall, 240 pound man with big old hands. And he's like, dude, your back is locked up. And that was me lifting weights with absolutely no rhyme or reason and wrestling as hard as I possibly could. Like with, with no preventative measure, with pretty much the mindset that I just need to lift weights so I look decent and I have to wrestle as hard as I can, but there's no actual specialized anything to make my back safe, to make my, my hips and everything else safe and and prepare myself for all those hard wrestling matches that I was having every single weekend. So here's a problem with doctors and chiropractors when it comes to pro wrestlers. All right. Pro wrestling is a super specialized thing. They don't know 
what to tell you outside of, hey, stop wrestling. Your back hurts. What are you complaining about? You're a wrestler. Stop wrestling. You know, so a doctor, unless they're specialized, because there are plenty of sports medicine doctors and stuff out there, back specialists, spine specialists, all that kinds of stuff out there that could probably have a better notion than just your family doctor. But a doctor, unless they're specialized, is not trained on how to educate sports performers, especially pro wrestlers, mm -hmm. because of how niche it is, on how to alleviate or prevent injuries like back pain. If you're listening to this and are currently living with chronic pain, let me see if I can guess your experience with doctors. After x-rays and maybe even an MRI, which takes weeks to get done. That's, and I emphasize that, guys. That's the most frustrating thing, right? You're, you're in pain, so, okay, I got to go to the doctor. You sit there forever waiting. You finally see him. You get some tests done. Then what do you do? You get sent home, and you wait maybe days, maybe weeks to get the results of those things. If it's something like an MRI, from my experience, like x-rays come back in a few days, MRI, I mean, like, they keep you on waiting for a couple weeks before they find somebody that can read the disc properly or whatever it is. I don't know. But, you know, it can take a long time. And if you're in pain that entire time, it's so, so frustrating. Mm -hmm. And if you're like us, you're wrestling the whole time, too, which is just crazy, too. But it's just what we do, right? So step one, they put you on, the doctor puts you on anti-inflammatory medication, right? Like prednisone or something. Um, you wait a few weeks. You got to wait. Basically, I remember that happening to me. And I remember just knowing. I was like, I'm in so much pain that there's no way that bottle of pills is going to alleviate my pain with what I do to my body on the weekends. Yeah. But I had to still finish the bottle because the doctor has to rule. He has a process. And I understand yeah. that. He has a process. And that would probably work for any standard person that maybe had one car wreck, but somebody that puts themselves to a car wreck every week, one uh, little bottle of prednisone, but they still have to rule it out. I understand that. Um, you're still wrestling, you're still in pain, but you have to run through that bottle. So now it's even more time before you can go back to the doctor and say, hey, it didn't work. Still in a lot of pain. Maybe it gave you a little bit of relief, um, but still in a lot of pain. What do I do now? So step two, um, in my experience, was recommend something like a steroid injection where they, they try to directly hit the source. After examining your x-rays, MRIs, and finding the source, the location of the problem and whatnot, then they can actually go in there with a needle full of steroids and cause the inflammation to subside, uh, you know, the disc, whatever it may be, whatever the issue may be, to reduce the inflammation. And it's more of a way direct you know, injection. I mean, it is. It's a specific, specific thing. You know, and... If you're a full-time pro wrestler like I was at the time, here's what you don't have. You don't have health insurance. You know, if you're wrestling on the independent circuit circuit, and you're like me and you're making, you know, a decent amount of money as a pro wrestler, but you're not making a decent amount of money to where you're spending a ton on health insurance. Guys, I, I've worked with so many pro wrestlers and I can count the number of them that are like successfully creating a health insurance plan and all that great stuff. All their, you know, they're doing their benefits on the side on one hand. Like it, it, that's a sad thing. And that, you know what, that's a whole nother podcast we can get into yeah. someday about why you guys, if you, if you are fortunate enough to make a decent amount of money in wrestling, why you should be spending it wiser. Anyway, I digress. There is just something, you know, if you don't have enough money to afford the anesthesia or something like that, they're going to recommend a just local injection with a topical pain relief. And that is 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 a fresh hell that I would not wish on my worst enemy because I was there, guys. I was there. I was like, oh, no, Doc. I don't have the money for that anesthesia. I'm, I'm a pro wrestler, too. I'm super tough. Take me in the back room and just shove that needle in. It is, guys, it's not worth it, okay? It's bad. It's bad. Then, after the uh, steroid injections, 
hopefully give you some relief, but it's going to be temporary. Why? Because you're beating the crap out of yourself every single weekend. So after that, you get more injections, maybe. But after a certain number of injections, I was pretty sure I was told three, at least with the brand of steroids I was getting. You can't have more than three within even a six-month or a year window because it actually starts to eat away at the muscles and tendons in that area as well. Then you're going to be left with pain with absolutely no support system around it to, to control your body. So now imagine you have a, a bulging disc in your back that's pressing on your sciatic nerve or whatnot, and then the muscles and tendons around it are gone. So now it's, it's like... It's like just you know taking a, a pop can and bouncing a, a ball on top of it, but then crushing the middle of the pop can and the ball falls off. I mean, you have no support system right now for your upper body. So it's 10 times worse. So then it's not worth it. Worth it. So what happens after that? The doctor says, time to get some surgery, guy. It's time. You know, we got to do whatever we got to do. We got to go in there. We got to... Um, we got to make the disc smaller. We got to open it up somehow. You know, there's whatever options they have. Um, if you're like me, especially if you're in your upper 20s, you're young, probably, well, anybody really, but I was, you know, I was young. Um, surgery is very scary. That's a scary thought to me, especially back surgery, especially spine surgery. Like, that is terrifying to me. So if you're a young wrestler, you're 27, 28, 29, you know, you got surgery now, where's that going to leave you when you're 35? I mean, it's just a weird, yeah. it was a weird thought process to me that I need surgery here. So at this point, you either give up on wrestling or you go for the surgery, you miss, what, a year worth of wrestling and rehab? I mean, I'm just guessing. Maybe less. Maybe six months. Six months to a year. And you don't know this, but as soon as you take your first bump, there's probably a lot of chances you get more pain. And after your 10th bump, 15th, 20th bump, it's probably coming right back, man. Because you had the surgery, yes, but you didn't do anything to actually prepare your body to go back in there and do bumps. Because taking bumps is not the proper training process for preparing your body for bumps, okay? So, again, I wanna go right here on the record and say I'm not vilifying doctors, not at all. I'm saying that they're qualified to treat people with back pain, but not people with back pain who throw themselves on the floor for money. That's what we do, guys. If I'm breaking it down to a base-base level, pro wrestling is hard, it is tough. You have to break so many habits, natural instincts that your body has. Throwing yourself on the ground intentionally that's not something your body ever wants to do. You know, learning how to do that without reaching back and catching yourself with your hand. Pro wrestling in general is, is a crazy thing. And we learn how to do it and we absolutely love it. But doctors do not come up through school and are taught, by the way, if a pro wrestler comes to see you with back pain, here's how we treat them. All right. So I want to move on to some soft tissue stuff. Um, Aaron has some experience in some of this stuff. This is great, valuable tools, but I want to tell you why it doesn't help a pro wrestler to just focus on nothing but chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, cupping, you, you get the drill, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, it's because they lack from that same specialized source of knowledge. Treating people in pain is within their scope, absolutely. But treating people with pain who constantly inflict car wrecks on their body on a weekly basis is not, all right? They, they can deal with the spine, they can help you open it up, all that kinds of cool stuff, sciatic nerve relief. I had a lot of success with a chiropractor over the years, but they're not trained either to specialize in preventative care for what your body goes through in a pro wrestling match. So here's the truth about all this kind of soft tissue work. They cannot, under any circumstances on a pro wrestler, create permanent results on their own. By their self, going to a chiropractor constantly, you can get a massage or an adjustment every single day of the week. 
you're going to feel better when you're in there. Yes, you're going to feel great right after your session's over. But it is fleeting, guys. It is impossible to create long-lasting results on a pro wrestler's body with soft tissue work. I cannot stress that enough. It is a band-aid at best that makes you feel great, but comes back with a vengeance as soon as you start hitting that ring again. All right. So, before I move on, guys, it helps us tremendously when you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. So, please, join this podcast Hit that subscribe button, give us a like, and hey, share your favorite episode, guys. We would love to get this message out there to more people. This is free pro wrestling training directly to your ears every single week. All right. So now, here's the big question, right? I just told you all those things that do not help you, right? They don't help. Well, for an extent, they don't help you. By themselves. Yeah. By themselves, they don't help you. And that's also what I'm going to stress right now. By themselves, the things that I've already talked about don't help. But what do you do? What do you do? So just like most things in life that I try to emphasize with anyone I work with, the answer that you're always seeking, you know, nine times out of ten is super simple, but rarely is it easy. So this is not going to be an easy process. This case is no different. It's very, very simple, but it is not easy. All right, guys, I'm going to hit you with it hard, okay? You've got to get stronger. And I know that that sounds like a very simple thing, like I said. That's, a, that's a meathead answer. It that's is, what right? most people would say. It's a meathead it's a answer. Meathead I'm, not answer. Saying, I'm not telling you to go out there and get jacked like Arnold right now. You know, that's going to help your wrestling career over and all, overall. But that's not what I'm saying for your pain. I'm talking about your pain today. We spent plenty of time talking about the things you need to look like a pro wrestler. But I need you to exist as a pro wrestler. And for that, i got to keep you out of pain. So if you're existing in pro wrestling pain-free, that's an amazing accomplishment. Some well-crafted preventative strength work specifically designed for this very reason will help keep you that way for years to come. I can't stress that enough, guys. If you're not in pain and you're living as a wrestler right now, fan-freaking-tastic. Let's keep you that way into your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you can keep wrestling. Or even if you're not wrestling or maybe you go to part-time, you're there helping the future generation. You're available for them. You're not just limping in or in a wheelchair, crippled, showing them that a life of wrestling leads to a life of, of you know, not living well after wrestling. You're there in full force, able to train these guys for years to come. So, if you are in pain now, and desperate for relief, it's going to take a big commitment from you. It may require you to pump the brakes on your time in the ring and focus more on your time in the gym or wherever you may be training, crafting a strong posterior chain, I'm going to break all that stuff down for you that can take the abuse of being a pro wrestler. All right. We've said that on this podcast before, guys, about other things that there is some some great, great, you know, merit to not taking nonstop wrestling bookings and focusing more on your body. All right. Especially when you're talking about working for the WWE, everything that they've said, everything they've posted has been none of it requires you to be an indie wrestling legend. None of it. So anyway. All right, guys. So, too many show muscles without enough go muscles. I've talked about both of those before. Some guys that look amazing don't have the body that they need to survive the bumping, the actual physicality in the pro wrestling ring. So guys that spend their time looking like a pro wrestler, focusing solely on show muscles, are going to be just as susceptible to injury as guys who rarely train at all. So I've discussed your pillar on this podcast before. The pillar I'm going to break that down for you. What is your pillar? What is the pillar of the body for a pro wrestler? Your shoulders, your spine, your hips, and your core. All things that take the most abuse inside a pro wrestling ring. Every single bump that you take involves those things. 
So training as a pro wrestler has to have a specialized focus on that pillar and the entire posterior chain. So that's going to bring the glutes, the hamstrings into the mix as well. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I just wanted to find the core real Please, quick in there. Do it, yeah. So uh, the core is more than just abs, as we know. Oh, yeah. Uh, the core is basically from the bottom of your chest mm -hmm. to the mid thighs. So oh, that's yeah. in, going to include some of that pillar stuff that you mentioned, but For not sure. the shoulders and stuff. So it's kind of the antagonistic side of, of the pillar. The back pillar more like the backside, and the core, like you said, you know, mm. got the diaphragm. Yeah. I mean, all the way down to the from, through the hip flexors. Yeah. Yeah, the hip, the back. You know, I would include the glutes, sure. uh, the upper thighs. You know the upper part of the hamstrings oh, yeah. in there at least and the core is designed to stabilize and protect the spine right that's like when i when i have people practice a plank so most of you guys if you're familiar with fitness or in the gym at all you know what a plank is where i have you planking either on your hands or on your elbows you're squeezing that core and i actually think that squeeze the core is a bad coaching cue i think a better coaching cue is actually to squeeze your body almost like you have arms completely encircling your entire midsection from like Aaron just said your sternum like all the way down into your groin and hips like you've got arms just wrapped around you and you're squeezing that stuff as hard as you can in a plank those are the muscles that we need to get you absolutely powerful in so that you can not only look like a cool wrestler but live like a cool wrestler yeah. out of pain keeping all that that great stuff you know wrestlers suffer all kinds of injuries today we're talking about back specifically and that stuff right there the stuff on the other side of your spine helps tremendously keeping you out of pain so um i know you know that removing that pain and preventing that pain in the first place means crafting or rehabilitating the strength of your body from the ground up guys that's what it takes it takes actually starting from the floor and moving up so i actually want to get into talking about what preventative back pain training should look like for a pro wrestler all right i want to dive into some of the things that i actually help guys with this is what we do in the gym when i'm working with pro wrestlers so first we have to remove the things that are compromising the spine in the first place and that may include everybody's different all cases are different all pain levels are different i know this one's hard guys but sometimes we got to put a pause on in-ring performance i have helped guys move away from working in the ring for a period of time while we get them stronger but continue to take bookings earn money and stuff that shows by just showing up to perform things like promos or backstage help or etc all kinds of stuff you can do for your company if you need to, that doesn't involve necessarily bumping every single week. So, um, we, Aaron and I did it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, that's just like you said with the chiropractor. You mm -hmm. know, you go to the chiropractor, and then the next week, your weekend, you're taking a bunch of bumps. Yes. It, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, you got to be able to let it rest to kind of you do heal and do what it needs. You've got to let your body do what it needs to do. Those those you know soft tissue specialists can put you in the alignment that you need to be in. And if you jump right back in the ring, guys, I mean, you're just, you're just ripping the Band-Aid off. Mm. So you've got to let it heal, and then you can get, that, get rid of that crutch, get rid of that Band-Aid, and then you're great. So Aaron and I did a whole episode about getting rid of the barbell back squat because it puts wrestlers in too compromising of a position, and changing that instead for something more like a split squat, a single leg at a unilateral work. We have a whole episode on that, guys. Go back and check that out. That's a great episode. Lots of great knowledge on that one. So getting rid of things like barbell back squats and getting rid of things like grounded sit-ups. People, you know, so sit-up, there's nothing inherently wrong with a sit-up at all. Sit-ups are great. However, 
if you're already in back pain, and yeah, you want abs, right? I, I get that. I get the need for that. We've, we've got to balance our needs with our wants and, and what do we actually have to have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting rid of things like grounded sit-ups out of your your actual training program. I mean, that's just one thing that you can eliminate. That can digress into numerous different variations inside the gym. But getting rid of something like a grounded sit-up and exchanging it with something more like a, like a mountain climber or anything like that where you actually have your spine elevated off the ground and you're, you're working more with the other side of your body. You're driving your knee forward towards your belly button instead of curling your spine and your lower back every single rep. So it takes designing a program around stuff like that to actually help you give your back time to rest, like Aaron just said. Give it time to actually rest. Yes, just finding those alternative exercises yes. that are going to be more beneficial and, I guess, at this point, safer. Yes. Um, yeah, for, for, this, for this reason, it is safer. That's, I, I, again, I want to stress that, too, because I'm a personal trainer. Like, I'm a fitness coach. That's what I do. I get told all the time by people, like, oh, I heard this was dangerous. There is nothing in the gym that is inherently dangerous, mm-hmm. but there are things that your body has to be prepared to experience them to do them pain-free. Okay, so someone who has never worked out a day in their life, because I, I want to I actually talk about something I just got through doing. I, I did a workout, guys, before we recorded this podcast. We did some lateral, one-legged um, speed jumps. Like, we jumped exploding off of one leg to the side. That is not something that you have a brand new person to the gym walk in and do. If they've never had any kind of foot, ankle, calf, knee or hip stability training whatsoever, you do not ask them to explode off of one foot, you know, 10 feet to the side. You can't do that. That's a dangerous move for them. It's not a dangerous move for me because I train it consistently. So that's just an example, guys. That's just, I I want you to relate that to everything you do in the gym. You see somebody doing something cool and you're like, I want to try that. I get it. But you got to break it down to its base form before you try to go over there and and whatever you do, you know, one-legged jump, power clean or snatch or something like something crazy movement in the gym that you've never tried before, before you load up 135 pounds and do it. You got to start from the floor up, start with the empty barbell. All right. So what does the training actually look like? I start from the ground up, guys, and I do that because that's how I got out of pain myself. That's how we do it. Over these last few years, after I got out of pain on my own with no surgery, no more pills, working with a strength coach, not working with a doctor, working with a strength coach in junction with a chiropractor, and I'm going to get into that some more here in a little bit, that is how I got out of pain. So we start with the feet. Strengthening of the feet, the calves, the soleus, which is another part of the calf, kind of on the side and the tibialis, which is a muscle on the front, running right up the shin into your patellar tendon, that is where we start. That's step one. Lower leg grouping, specifically the tibialis, they are the most undertrained pieces of anatomy in the entire body that have a direct correlation to pro wrestling and sports in general. So how do we train these things? First, we start with something like a tibialis raise. And you can Google that to see it, but I'll tell you right now, that involves something like putting your butt against the wall, walking your feet out forward to where they're a little bit in front of your body, leaning over, keeping your knees straight, and then lifting your toes up and flexing your big toe as hard as you can, like you're trying to tap your shins with your big toe. So again, you can look that move up if you want to see it. You can always follow me on social media. I do them all the time. So doing those things in conjunction with a full range of motion calf raise, like spinning around, putting your hands on the wall, walking your feet back until your heels are barely touching the ground, and then driving up as hard as you can onto your big toe, spreading your entire toes apart, doing those, pumping blood all through the shins, the ankles, 
the feet, everything, doing those minimalistic shoes or barefoot, which I love as well, those things can get your feet in order, can get your ankles in order, strengthen your calves, strengthen your tibialis. Yeah, starting from the ground up is always the best way to go for almost anything. Mm -hmm. And most athletes neglect their feet so much. I had, I used to train a lot of runners or marathoners, Mm -hmm. and they had the gnarliest feet ever, and that was always the, if they had any pain, in their knee or their hip or their back or anything like that, then we would start with the feet and work with that, uh, do some of the strength training. I want to say one thing. If they are doing those um, calf raises, like you said, being able to get Mm -hmm. up onto the toe, not just the ball of the foot, but really being – you almost will feel like a stretch like in your toes when you get up that high. You should. Yeah, and so you got to make sure you get up there, not – because if you did calf raises in high school just to build your calf muscles yep. to try to get big calves, you usually kind of stop short. One, you probably had shoes on, so it kind of yep. limited that range of motion. So that's why barefoot or minimal shoes are the best. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you really have to get up there to get the full benefit. Yeah, out he's, of he's absolutely right, guys. Like, you're, you, when you at the top of that movement, I'm pretty much on my tippy toes. Like, I'm talking absolutely the, the nose of my shoe if I'm wearing shoes. And if I am wearing shoes, they are super minimalistic shoes. They're not cushioned at all. Um, and uh, but I'll do it at barefoot a lot, and you actually drive up onto your big toe, the tip of your big toe, and you just stretch that big toe as hard as possible. You should feel a great stretch in there. That's how you get all those small bones, those muscles and tendons in there. You get them healthy and you get them strong to where they can take all the impact of the crap you're going to do in wrestling, the jumping, the running, etc. But you have no idea, you know, what Aaron just said about how all that stuff, your hip, your ankle, your knee, correlates to your feet, guys. So we start with the feet, stretching all the way through that big toe every single time. You have to think about the feet. So, you know, pro wrestlers can be jumping a lot and things like that. Running the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, if they are... Um, strong mm-hmm. and your tibialis and your calves and all that are strong but also flexible and yes. mobile especially your ankles with that full range of motion you can absorb a mm-hmm. lot of that impact with that because yes. they're stronger so that's that's the, some the, of the reasons why we're recommending it it's like the, the deceleration issues that I've yeah. talked about in the past I mean typically if you're running or jumping think about in pro wrestling where you're switching directions you're running you're jumping you're landing off the top rope all those different things your tibialis takes a lot of that impact immediately and so combine the fact that the, the tibialis, again, that's the muscle running right up the side of your shin bone, takes the most impact yeah. and is the least trained muscle in the whole body. That's a crazy, crazy thing to think about, guys, because also the tibialis, the, the muscle that takes the first impact of running and jumping, the muscle that is the most undertrained in the whole body, is also the only muscle that directly connects to the underside of your patellar tendon. So if you've got knee pain, and you're doing any kind of athletic things like pro wrestling good lord guys like i'm telling you right now we start in the feet we start with the shins we start with the calves and we get all that stuff hey 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 i'm cutting in here this is coach john cutting in on coach john to let you know that i am putting a pin in this week's episode right here we're going to split this into two parts okay as you can tell by that conversation you just heard i am absolutely fired up about this topic I mean, I cannot express to you much about how passionate I am that pro wrestlers do not have to live with back pain. They can exist, they can thrive, they can make a career out of wrestling and prevent back pain from happening. Okay, guys, so I need you to digest everything that you just heard. I need you to take it all in. And next week, we're going to come back and we're going to continue with exactly what I do, the exact process that I go through to keep wrestlers out of back pain and to heal wrestlers 
who are in back pain. I'm going to actually break down step by step how I do that. Aaron is going to come along for the ride and he's going to help us along the way as well. So guys, please head on over to Facebook, type in at how to become a pro wrestler. Join us there. Join us on Instagram and we will see you next time.